0: Today we're going to talk about learning themes in a particular pop culture franchise. If you're a regular listener to the show, I bet you know which one it is, but we'll start that when we start with The Learning Geeks, starting now. Woo-hoo. All right. All right, welcome everybody to a very special episode of The Learning Geeks. Uh, we're gonna talk about learning themes in a specific pop-cultural franchise, which, yeah, you're right, it was a bait and switch. We're gonna talk about Star Wars. Uh, but, <laughs> but, we but, a... but we're
1: talking about learning in Star Wars. We
0: are, we are. So this is gonna be a legit- Anybody
1: who's a regular listener, they shouldn't tune out because it's uh, Star Wars.
0: And I'm talking to you, Allison Horn, our patron saint. And Dan listen Holt. Listen to this. Dan yeah. Holt, too. Exactly. Allison, you guys, it's going to be worth it. It will be. It will be. <laughs> listen to this show. So let me introduce the voice you just heard. We have a very special guest with us. Uh, Dan Zier is a guy who uh, I got to be Twitter friends with because we have a lot of different things in common. Uh, one is that uh, we're both passionate about Chicago sports. Actually, it's all of us. Chicago yeah. sports. We like Chicago sports. Uh, Illinois natives. Dan is from uh, Washington, Illinois, kind of down by Peoria, right? That's right. Uh, We're all educators. So uh, you all know what Dana and Jake and I do. Dan, you're a high school teacher. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I teach high school literature. I teach composition. I teach British literature and mythology to seniors.
0: Which makes sense where we're going next, because Dan is also, uh, I would say, successfully Reached the echelon of being a semi-professional Star Wars fan.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I I think that's very. I think it's. I think it's fair to say professional. Yeah, there's. uh, I'll show you my taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. So, so Dan is the host with of what I would say is arguably, if not provably, the number one Star Wars podcast out there, uh, which is Coffee with Kenobi.
2: Oh wow, you're very kind.
0: Oh, you know, we, we love it. Love it. Uh, I listen to you. I listen to Force Center. I listen to Force Toast. Those girls are funny, uh, but Coffee with Kenobi, man, that's the that's the anchor. Thanks, uh, brother. Yeah, yeah. No, we're <laughs> we're happy. We're happy to have you on. This is super fantastic. Dan also just wrote a book, which I actually see over his corner, and my copy is in my uh, is in my bedside table. Oh we're digging that. The Star Wars book, it's it's like a reference book about everything you can think of with Star Wars.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's basically like a the ultimate Star Wars textbook written by myself and Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo and Cole Horton. So we're we're, we're loving that. This is the right guy that we have here.
0: Dan also writes um writes for starwars.com and he's got a whole series that he gets to periodically about teaching with Star Wars. Um, you know, I saw a specific article a few weeks back and we'll we'll get to this as we continue talking, but, uh, Dan wrote a really good article about Yoda's learning journey that he goes on in the last three episodes of the clone wars, which I thought was amazing. And that was the point where I, I pinged Dan and I was like, Hey, you got to come on our podcast. and we need to talk about that? So again, we're super happy to have you here. It's my Um, pleasure,
2: gentlemen. So, so honored to be here teaching in star Wars talking to my biggest passions.
0: So Dan, I mean, let's start there. Tell us a little bit about how you use Star Wars as a teacher in high school. You you see some apparent connections with literature and all that, but how did that start and how do you do it?
2: So ultimately, before I was an educator, I worked in insurance for eight years and I just didn't feel like I was, I very much was like on that moisture farm, waiting for something to happen, waiting for my call to adventure. (laughs)
0: Looking at the two sons. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And then At some point, I decided I started working uh, at a church volunteering for one of their youth groups. And I thought, I love this. I'm not going to do this more than on Sundays. I'm going to do this all the time. I'm going to go back to school to be a teacher. And I kept hearing people saying, you're not going to make any money. What if you can't get a job? What if you can't handle the discipline? All these what ifs, what ifs, and bad and bad. And I just thought, no, you know what? This is my calling. This is what I want to do. So I get through my classes. I go to school at night for two and a half years to become an educator. And the first lesson I ever taught was one where i combined anakin skywalker and hamlet and i talked about how they're very similar heroes and that they're they're the classic shakespearean tragic hero you know they both have a prominent place in society they both have a tragic flaw they both have this incredible fall from grace that impacts the universe their universe and it just if it felt right way fast forward and then i become an educator and then i i just found myself using a lot of pop culture references and i I reached a point pretty early where Seinfeld references went over their heads. And I thought, did I get old or did they just get really young? <laughs> it's both. That was, yeah. my, That's what we're going with. And then I just kept using Star Wars. And then at some point, the, the principal had come to me and said, hey, we're going to start a mythology class. And we think you're the guy to do it. We know you could incorporate superheroes and Star Wars and just regular mythological texts. And they said, but you're going to have to build it. And you need at least 12 kids to sign up. Or it's not going to go. Well, I got 78. Wow. And then it just kind of went from there. I started using it. I became friends with Ian Desher, who wrote the William Shakespeare Star Wars series. I got the attention of Lucasfilm, which eventually led to me in that Target commercial where I sh- they show how I use Star Wars and Shakespeare. And then it just kind of kept building and building and building into a point where one of the units in my class At the end of everything, because we go through Greek, we go through Egyptian, we go through Native American, we go through Norse, we go through all kinds of different world mythologies. We look at superheroes, but of course it always comes back to Star Wars. And at the end, I have them practice and record a five-minute segment that I put on Coffee with Kenobi, where in groups of four, they create something based on, because we spend about a month going through the movies. I kind of vary the order depending on where I think they're at and what they're ready for. And then I have them practice it, have them write their script. And then suddenly the day it's time to record, they realize, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on Coffee with Kenobi. I'm going to hear my voice. My makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it, it teaches collaboration. It teaches preparation. It teaches articulation and confidence. And it does all these wonderful things. And then they get this incredible moment where, hey, mom and dad, listen to me. I'm on the show. Mm. And then I don't typically tell them how many listeners that I have. And then after they record, I tell them and then they're just like, (gasps) it's so satisfying to me because honestly, gentlemen, the reason I do all of this stuff with Star Wars is because I very much believe, of course, as you all do, to get kids to engage is the ultimate form of learning because they're going to care. They're going to pay attention. And more than that, they're going to think critically. And because Star Wars is my wheelhouse, it's one of my specialties. That's the lens that I filter this through, and that gets them excited because I'm excited about it. And then they get acts. Then they get all these people who get to hear their their points of view, and it just gives them an opportunity to see there. Hey, there's so much more out there than your little town. There's a lot you can do with passion and preparation. Let's see what happens for you.
0: Well, we as corporate educators are grateful for for primary and secondary educators like you uh, who, who can prime the pump for us and make learners like that and make people who are critical learners. Um, sometimes, sometimes people come to our events and they're not quite as motivated learners as we would like. (laughs) So, you know, whatever we can do to, to hit them in an area that they care about, uh, we know that that's what helps make learning stick.
1: Let me ask you a question, Dan, based kind of on what Bob was just saying. What do you do for those students who are less motivated? How do you, how do you motivate them? How do you encourage them to engage?
2: Sure. Well, for one thing, I teach all seniors. And, and I make it very clear. I don't even use the word senioritis ever. That's a really bad word. <laughs> I, just, I just say, I, just, I feel like it comes from within who I am. You know, I can't, ma- and I say right away as soon as they find out more of sort of about my my journey with Star Wars or just in education, they can tell that I like what I'm doing. I just make it really, really clear. Look, there's no option not to participate. Everybody participates from day one. You know, there's a bi- there's a big movement at least where I teach where we couldn't cold call and call on people. I still did it anyway mm-hmm. because you know what? The more they suddenly become comfortable. Believe it or not, I was the shyest, most insecure kid in my class. But at some point, I came out of my shell and realized, you know, there's nothing wrong with being shy, but for me personally, it was holding me back. So I wanted kids to get a voice, to get comfortable with their voice and get comfortable in their own skins. And suddenly, it's not me teaching a class, you know, it's not just sit and get. It's everybody is together, everybody is working together. I help them, they come up with the questions that lead the discussion. So they all have to participate. I get excited about it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I say, look, you don't have to like Star Wars. It's not going to affect whether I like it or not. What I want you to do is I want you to think critically and be intellectually honest. That's what I care about. And that kind of relieves some of the pressure of, oh, my gosh, this guy is like a Star Wars freak. He wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. And that can be intimidating. But once we get that out of the way and it goes away really quickly, it just becomes fun. So, again, they don't have to necessarily like everything that I'm talking about. But they like thinking and they like the excitement mm. of, oh, my gosh, I'm making connections I didn't realize. And then it becomes contagious.
1: Yeah. So the beauty of that is that what you're teaching them is core skills that will be valuable throughout their lives, regardless of the context, whether it's Star Wars or some other thing. Absolutely. There's, yeah, a, mis- there's a
2: little bit of a misnomer between some people in my building that don't quite understand it, that I just stand there and like have a lightsaber and make pew-pew noises. That's actually not the case. <laughs> that just this is just one way that I get them excited about learning. Because we do all these things and then they record these these episodes and I say, "Listen to yourself. Listen how smart mm-hmm. you are. You're talking about something that 6 weeks ago you knew nothing about. This is not something that's exclusive to a galaxy far far away. This is exclusive to you as a person. You just tapped into something into yourself. Hey, You've taken your first step into a larger world. There you go.
3: So, so Dan, with your class, uh, in that class specifically, do is that a elective? Do they are they do they opt in, or is it something that they have to take? It's an elective. Well, I mean, and the reason I ask that too is because a lot of what I do at at our firm, we actually don't really require learning. Most of what we do, even though it's sometimes it is, you know, highly recommended, but there are a lot of things that we do that are mostly elective. And even so, we still get people that are struggling either to take it or once they're actually in, to invest in it. And the tough thing is is also getting them to engage when we only have them for a short period of time. So I, I'm interested when you get them at the start, even though they are it's, it is an elective. I come in here. What is kind of that opening day feel
2: like and sound like when you teach just to kind of latch them in? Yeah, the opening day is about buy in. It's just about. I give them a list of questions. You know, what is mythology? Why did you take this class? What are some stories that you enjoy? And then at the end, I put, what do you know about Star Wars? So what is mythology? I get, to, I get them to start thinking about what it is. Why did they take the class? Then they start writing down stories that they are interested in because suddenly they're like, wait, I'm writing about something that I like. So you kind of start to let that guard down. And then for the Star Wars thing, it helps me kind of weed out who's a big fan that I can help stoke the fire and who's someone that I have to be. I got to sort of be patient and not unleash this inner. Ah, I like star Wars thing because <laughs> otherwise you're going to lose them there too. Right. But the most important thing that I, that I believe in with this is, you know, I, the cool thing about my mythology classes, because my British literature classes are very high level honors. My composition classes are dual credit through a junior college here. So they're all very like higher level stuff. Mythology. I have every every type of learner you can imagine in one class, what's very much a hybrid. And I like that because I feel like that raises the game for everybody in there. So I just make it very, very clear the way that they participate, the assignments that we do that I don't really, I'm not interested in if you're not, if you're not interested because you're going to be and you're going to at least, you're going to be able to fake it so much that you start to, it starts to become something where you're not faking it. You actually like what you're doing because you're opening up that part of your brain that maybe has been dormant for a while. You know, uh, and I think one of the greatest things about The Last Jedi, if I can Star Wars out a little bit, I have a sense that none of you will mind. Nope. Luke nope. tells, you know, Yoda very clearly tells Luke, you know, failure the greatest teacher there is. That is. That's one of the best lines I've ever heard in any movie. And I think about that line almost every single day, both as a parent of three boys and then as an educator. And once they, they, they understand, look, it's OK if you mess up. You're going to mess up. You're going to skin your knee or whatever, you know, when you're riding a bike, but you still have to get up and you still got to do it. So uh, my job is to make them want to want to care.
3: So for those listening that did not catch our last episode, this is a plug for our previous episode was to fail forward, fail forward. And it was all about failure. Our story is about failure. And that quote specifically did make it at some point.
0: I I might have mentioned that quote. I might have quoted that quote
1: (laughs) at the very end. Dan, I've got another follow-up question. As you were talking, what came to my mind is what role does peer coaching or peer mentoring play? Do you have any structure where you have the kids kind of teaching each other and coaching each other and those, you know, that type of thing?
2: honestly it's just very simple like turn and talk stuff but that's a little hard now with the pandemic because we're all Mm -hmm. in person we have not been remote since day one and so they i have to i had to reposition my classroom so everybody's facing forward we're wearing masks all the time they tell us don't do a lot of group stuff but i still can i can still do chats we can still do stuff on google they open up those documents and ask each other questions I'll, i'll throw out some ideas and say hey Send a message to your friend. Oh, I can send a message to my friend with this this electronic device? Yeah, go ahead. Beep, beep. Generate conversation. Boom, boom. And then guess what? Then I can call on anybody in that room, and they're prepared because they were working with each other. Right? Now, in a non-pandemic year, we do a lot of turn and talk. We do a lot of group stuff. And then uh, we try to in- see I, when we do discussion, I like them to come up with their own questions that help to lead the class. And then what's great organically, what always happens is that they start helping each other. Oh, what page is that? Oh, 240. Okay, thanks. Uh, and then that just, and it becomes, again, you're you're creating a culture. You're creating yeah. an environment where there's buy-in and there's unity and people working together. And I just very much believe in, it's just, it's respect. It's reciprocal. It's how I treat everybody. They learn. I mean, I never have discipline problems. I've had discipline problems. And I mean, I've been teaching for 15 years, I'd say. Maybe my first year had a couple of you know ups and downs, but I haven't had discipline problems in easily 10 years because I've created a culture where that's not an option. You're here for you, especially mm. during a pandemic, by the way. like You chose to be here. You could have been remote. You didn't have to take this elective class, but you're here and we're going to have fun, but you're going to think. You're going to think, and sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes you're going to fail. All good things. We're building some skills here.
0: That's great. Well, hey, let's pivot in, in the few minutes we have left to talking about the actual themes of learning that show up in the Star Wars saga uh, because they're all over the place. I you know I was sitting trying to list down some of them. One of them was the whole learning from failure that we just talked about. Uh the whole idea of apprenticeship. Uh you know things like that. What other themes do you see in Star Wars, Dan, that pertain particularly to learning and and everything that we're talking about?
2: Honestly, and I I got to write about this in, in the the teaching with Star Wars column that, that I did for a while. I one of the things I really like about Star Wars is that the mentors are still learning. Yoda <laughs> still learns when even when he's nine hundred years old. You know, Kanan teaches Ezra, and Kanan is still learning. Luke is still learning. Luke learns from Ray. Luke learns from his mistakes. There, there's never a place where you're where you're, you're stopped learning. I, I once had a, a teacher my second year in school that said. <laughs> You know what? You're always going to learn. The only teacher who doesn't learn is the one who walked on water, and that isn't you. So you're going to keep learning. <laughs> and I love that. I always thought about that. I thought that was just a wonderful thing. So that's important. Another part, and this was alluded to with the whole idea of, of basically peer coaching, and is that is that people from different backgrounds, people from different cultures and religions and sexual identities and sexual preferences, they can all work together for a common good. Mm. And that's crucial. That's that's I think that's key. I think family is one of the most important lessons in stars, one of the most important themes in stars, whether it's Luke Han and Leia or Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka or Ray and Poe and Finn, people from disparate places and different backgrounds come together because we have so much more in common than we do differently. You know, and it's very, very easy in a world where, you know, we're on extremes and there's no middle ground anymore. It's very, very easy to forget that. But those are the examples. You know, I always I like to quote Mark Twain, one of my favorite writer of all time. You know, he talks about how fiction was obliged to tell the truth. So Star Wars is a is a popular fiction that breaks down barriers and allows you to talk about things that you know we can talk about the rebellion and the empire, or the resistance and the first order, uh, pretty easily. But then you want to talk about real world problems and real world conflict. Well, then it gets scary. But not if you've kind of set a pattern. And make connections in a fictional universe.
1: I think an example of where in the the first episode of The Mandalorian, which we're going to talk about soon, is you've got different people who don't even like each other, who work together for a common
2: cause. That's right, and that's essential. You're putting aside those differences and learning from each other. That that's there, but you got to be willing to do it. It's maturity. Yeah,
0: yeah and I, I think the really one of the central themes of the whole sequel trilogy of episode seven, eight, nine is is not just the idea of family, but found family.
2: That's right. It's right? not and, about blood. And,
0: right. And Ray builds this family around her where she was always alone. I think that plays into everything that we're talking about with needing to come together with diverse people uh, to create a
2: better good than the one that we're in. It's the message that we all need to hear right now. Amen to that. I, I had a student early on this semester who said, who was really upset that Rey was a Skywalker. She doesn't get to be a Skywalker. She, you know, she, she didn't get that lightsaber belongs to Anakin and Anakin passed it on. I said, well, do you want C3PO to have it? And she said, (laughs) said, well, no. And I said, well, why is Rey a Skywalker? Why does that bother you so much? I mean, my suspicion is that it's because she's female just based on the, the situation that I, that, that this conversation was taking part in. But it just made him uncomfortable because it was for him it was about blood. And I said, well, you know, you probably have friends or you probably know people or maybe you're in your family. You have people in your family who are, you know, maybe you have stepbrothers, stepsisters, things like that. I said, some people, sometimes family is more than blood. Sometimes people and Ray learns this in The Last Jedi or confirms this for herself in that cave that, you know what? I don't like where I came from or I don't know where I came from, but I can forge my own identity by myself. I can take the examples from other families and I can incorporate that into who I am as a person. And that's why I love that she takes on the name Skywalker because no, she's not blood, but she doesn't have to be to to carry on the power of what that name means and the gravitas that it carries. And I think in many ways to almost perfect it. I mean, you know, there, there, besides Leia, the Skywalker's had a pretty much a troubled uh, yeah, troubled history. Pretty rocky. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet, right?
0: And yet. Right. Everything good comes from that. That's right.
3: So the, the final, one of the, I shouldn't say final, but one of the things that I really have always pulled from Star Wars, other than the themes, of course, we talked about. And since one, we have a teacher here. And I think many of us consider ourselves teachers within our own field as well but is the story and the, the theme of of having a teacher and the one quote that always comes to my mind is is actually kylo yelling at ray you need a teacher um at the end of force awakens mm-hmm. and what i thought the power of that that moment as well as just throughout the saga is that you the importance of having a teacher but also the right teacher so kylo in that sense thinks he is the right teacher for her He's going to teach her the right things, but Ray knows deep down he's not the right teacher. She knows that there's somebody else. And I I think about that in parallel, not just of what the work we do and who do we, when we find out a teacher and we make sure we're not stuck within a certain bubble and we also reach out to other teachers as well to ensure that we are getting more of a diverse perspective, understanding different things, but we're not getting ourselves locked into this one one voice and this teacher that even though we think is a good teacher, but could lead us down to quote the dark side. Right, And that was a parallel that I've seen really effective. And I think a lot about in the work that I do about the importance of teachers. And I think it's really strong in the, uh, in the whole saga
2: and the, the importance of different voices. I mean, the Jedi council is full of different teachers. Yeah. I mean, you take on a Padawan learner, but sometimes you'll go through se- several Padawans. So you'll have several different masters and mentors because, you know, is as effective as I may be with one student, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. what whatever is going on in their lives, or whatever isn't going on, or where they're at emotionally, or maybe I'm having an off day or whatever. I'm not going to reach everybody. That's impossible, quite frankly. Thank goodness there are so many people in my building that they encounter on a daily basis, and they've got coaches, you know, and they've got fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles and professionals in their lives or or bosses. They care about them and give them different perspectives. You know, Twain again says travel is fatal to bigotry and prejudice, but but mm-hmm. it's also effective to travel within your own circle and without the comfort with, with throughout whatever your comfort level is, going past that, encountering different people because those different voices and perspectives. I mean, I I can think of the the best teachers I've ever had, and I just pick different things out from them. And then before I was an educator, and you probably had to do similar stuff. I had to observe for a hundred different hours at classrooms all around the central Illinois area. And I found a lot of things that I liked, but I found a lot of things that I didn't like and they weren't Mm -hmm. bad teachers, but there were certain things that they did that didn't work for me. One of my favorite teachers ever told me, Daniel, uh, don't ever try to be like me. You may pick Mm -hmm. things that, that work for you that I've done. And I thought the guy was just an absolute genius. One of the reasons I'm a teacher He said, you got to be yourself and you got to find your own voice. And even with that, it doesn't mean it will always be enough for everybody, but that's where you have to not take yourself so seriously and realize I'm a part. I can be a big cog or a little cog, but frankly, I don't get to decide what size cog I am in that child's life. That's up to them and their journey. I just have to be the stepping stone to help guide them when they're ready to take their step.
0: Well, gentlemen, as fun and illuminating as this has been to use a Yoda term, Uh, The clock on the studio wall says it's time to wrap up. So
2: thank you for joining us, Dan. Thank you for being with us. My absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Combining my favorite passions with like-minded people is an absolute blessing. So thank you so much for graciously inviting me to be on the show.
0: And thank you for being here. We would love to have you on again sometime soon. We could probably just start a whole new learning at at Star Wars podcast. Let's do it. All right. We'll we'll put that on the list when we have time. Dan, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? How do they get to Coffee with Kenobi, among other things?
2: Certainly. Well, if you want to chat with me, talk some Star Wars, talk about education, talk about Cubs baseball and how we need to get a leadoff hitter, then go to Mr. Zerr, M-R-Z-E-H-R. You can certainly find Coffee with Kenobi all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube. We have a Patreon page. Go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com cwkalliance. We have exclusive shows and videos about popular culture, sports, Star Wars, all kinds of stuff. And then Coffee with Kenobi is, of course, the podcast that comes out every single week, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, everywhere. And we want to make you think. We want to make you laugh. We have a lot of guests from around the industry. Have a great time doing so. And then we have a Facebook group, the CWK Cafe, where we have lots of fun Star Wars conversations that are spoiler-free and family-friendly. And finally, if you have a podcast or a blog or a YouTube channel, or you want to start one, interested in building your brand, go to danzmedia.com, and I will help you get that process started. And I guess I could plug in, since I'm with my esteemed colleagues here. If you have a corporate event or a school or somewhere that needs a motivational speaker— also, you can find that information at DanzyMedia.com. I'd love to come and help light a fire. Well, that's
0: amazing because a lot of our listeners are people who book corporate events and things like that. So I will reinforce that if you want to have this type of talk uh, for your people, please do that. And hey, you know what? As long as you're dropping links, I'm going to drop mine really quick. Yeah, but our listeners don't know this, but I write an in-universe Star Wars newspaper about uh, the planet Batuu, which is where the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, land at disneyland and disney world take place so one of my readers said so wait is this theme park fan fiction and the answer is yes uh but you can find it's called the Betu and recce r-e-c-c-e you can find that at the and we'll drop all of these links into the uh, show notes right jake
2: Yes. Just make sure they're (laughs) to me. (laughs) We'll do that. I guess, by the way, shame on me. I probably should have said, and you've all mentioned it so graciously before, but be sure to pick up the Star Wars book written by myself, Pablo Hidalgo, and Cole Horton. It's uh, a new way to look at Star Wars with a a series of curated essays. And you can also find me occasionally, by the way, at StarWars.com.
0: That's great. We'll have to have Pablo on at some point. You're the the second guest of ours who's a friend of Pablo's. Who's Uh, Who's the other one? Uh, a guy I used to work with named Tad Lechman. He's been on several of our shows. And yeah, he, uh, he uh, used to work at Lucasfilm and uh, is a friend with all those guys as well. So Tad, I'm sure you're listening. Hi, Tad, we miss you. Someday we'll have all of us on and we'll really nerd out. So that'll be great. Okay, this closing has gone on way too long. Let's wrap it up and let's head over to our next Star Wars after show focused on season two, episode one of the mandalorian if you can stomach it we would love to have you come join us over there otherwise uh behalf of jake and dana and our guest dan this is bob saying we'll see you real soon
3: thanks everybody thanks everybody thank you see you real soon